Well, today we're wrapping up a message series that we've been in during this last season called Unfailing. In the very first week, we looked at this passage of scripture from the book of Joshua, where Joshua was giving some final words to the Israelites, and he said this to them. He said, not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. And each week, based on, on this verse in the sermon series, we've been looking at one of these promises of God, which we've been calling unfailing promises because they were always hold true. And each week we've been talking about how we can build our lives upon these promises and they will be a sure foundation in the midst of whatever storms and uncertainties and complexities face us in this season or in the season to come. And, and this week as I've been thinking about, okay, what is the final promise of God that I want to share with people? I was thinking about the promise of God's forgiveness. The promise that God will forgive us for no matter what sin we've committed in our lives. As I began thinking about this promise, I began thinking, well, you know what? You know, it's kind of a basic promise. It's kind of foundational. I mean, this is something people already know. And I was thinking, you know, it's like, it's like Tuesday at Vacation Bible School, right? Kids learn about God's promise to forgive them. This is one of the first things kids learn in church. And it's also one of the last things people pray for on their deathbeds. This is something many of us are familiar with. But, but as I began thinking about, okay, maybe I should preach something more, more obscure or maybe a little different, the more I thought about God's promise to forgive us, the more I thought about how this promise is so foundational and central to the Christian faith. And yet, so many of us have challenges receiving this promise and internalizing it into our lives. A lot of us know that God promises us forgiveness, and yet a lot of times we, we kind of in a way refuse to receive it. And I, I think there are a number of reasons of why we have difficulty with receiving forgiveness from God. And I think one of them for some people is that, quite honestly, uh, some people just don't feel guilty. I mean, some people go throughout life and they think, okay, yeah, I've made some mistakes. I've, I've, I've done some bad things, but I've never committed like, you know, big S sins, right? I've never committed murder. I've never committed any felonies. And so when it comes to God and we think about sinning against God, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I've done some things, but I, I don't really need forgiveness from God. I'm okay. I just need to kind of improve myself a little bit. And if that's you this morning, I, I'm not going to try to convince you that uh, you should feel guilty in this moment or try to pile on guilt like maybe, maybe people have tried before. And instead, I just want to let you know that objectively from God's word, we find that all of us are guilty of sin before God. All of us have done wrong in his eyes, have broken our relationship with him. And because of that, we are deserving of punishment. But the foundational good news of Christianity is that this is why God sent Jesus into the world, not just as an example for us, not just as a teacher for us, but as a savior. Jesus died so that we could be saved from our sins. And so if that's you this morning, I hope you'll, you'll keep listening as we talk about forgiveness. But some of you, you're, you're hearing that and you're thinking, wow, some people actually feel like they, they don't need forgiveness for anything. You're thinking, I'm the opposite. Because of the family you grew up in or maybe the church culture you grew up in, you don't feel like, oh, I've never done anything wrong. You feel like, oh, I could never do anything right. 
Because when you were growing up, people didn't just say, oh, you did something wrong. They said, you, you are wrong. You didn't just do something bad. You are bad. And maybe church leaders, maybe family members, when, when you sinned and, and did wrong in God's eyes or in their eyes, maybe they withheld love and affection from you. And so even now, that's creeping into your relationship with God. And you think, God, God couldn't love me. God doesn't love me. You've internalized so much shame that it's hard to think about God forgiving you. But, but still for others, that's not the problem. I mean, for, for some of us, I mean, we're living in a cultural moment right now of what we, we call cancel culture. You're, you're probably familiar with this. Cancel culture is a movement we're in right now culturally that says, hey, look, if, if you do wrong or something offensive or, or sinful or objectionable in the culture's eyes, then not only will you be held accountable, uh, but you will be uh, punished to the utmost. You will be deplatformed. You will be kind of, you know, have your reputation sullied. You will be uh, canceled in a sense. And in cancel culture, I mean, there's really no mechanism for forgiveness. And so when you do wrong, it's kind of like, well, well, that's it. You're out of here. And so in our culture, this idea of, of forgiveness is even something that, that's, that's fading. And all of these things are beyond the messages that you and I tell ourselves. Messages that, that we say to ourselves like, you know what, God, God could never forgive me for the things I've done. You know what, God, he, he sees my heart, he knows I'm going to do wrong, and he, he just thinks I'm a miserable failure. Messages we tell ourselves are messages that the enemy whispers to us. The deceiver who says, you know what, you, you've sinned so many times in the same way, God isn't going to forgive you for that. Yeah, God loves everybody, but he doesn't love you because he knows you. And so, but because of all of these things in our lives, our experiences, the narratives we're telling ourselves, our, our culture, forgiveness, this idea of, that God has promised to forgive us can be hard for us to receive. But this morning, I simply want to remind you of the good news that God has for you and for me. And that is that God has promised to forgive us. God has promised to forgive you and me. And, and now, I want to say that just because God has promised to forgive us, it doesn't mean that God just turns a blind eye to sin or doesn't think it's a big deal at all. Actually, throughout the scriptures, we find from beginning to end that, that sin is taken very, very seriously. And actually, in the Old Testament, we find that when uh, the community and people had committed sins, uh, a sacrifice was needed for the forgiveness of their sins on the behalf of God. And not only was it was a sacrifice, there, there had to be the shedding of blood. And so once a year, on the Day of Atonement, an animal, a spotless animal, would be sacrificed for the forgiveness of people's sins. And every year, this sacrifice had to be repeated so that people could receive forgiveness from God. But during this time, God speaking through a, a prophet, a prophet named Jeremiah, God told the people this. He said, I will forgive their wickedness. I will forgive your wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Here, uh, God through Jeremiah was speaking of a new covenant, something that was to come. And that something that was to come was the person of Jesus Christ who came into this world and who lived a sinless, a spotless, a blemish-free life. Jesus, who died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus, who shed his blood on Calvary, Jesus, who John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God, 
who takes away the sins of the world. And through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, no longer did, did, did people, priests, and others have to make sacrifices on a yearly basis. No, Jesus Christ was a sacrifice once and for all for the forgiveness of humanity's sins. And Paul, reflecting on the new covenant and Jesus' sacrifice in Romans, he, he writes this. He writes that, therefore, those who are in Christ, those who have received Christ's love and forgiveness and accepted him into their hearts, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those who are in Christ, there is no longer condemnation for our sins. We'll, we'll no longer receive punishment for our sins because Jesus has taken the punishment that we deserved upon ourselves. So there's no longer condemnation, but instead there is connection between us and God through the gift of Jesus Christ. And now, this doesn't mean that, that once we receive Jesus into our lives, once we're in Christ, that we're never going to sin again. Uh, we see in scripture that, that we will sin again. But instead of condemnation, what happens is God sends the Holy Spirit into our lives not to condemn us of our sin, but to convict us of our sin. And to let us know that God wants better for us. God has more in store for us. He wants us to live differently because he knows who we were created to be. And this promise, I mean, I know it can seem too good to be true and hard to believe. And so when I was younger, one of our youth leaders encouraged me to, to memorize this verse, 1 John 1, 9. And this has been foundational for me because there's so many times where I think, you know what, I, I know I've sinned and I'm confessing this thing to God again. And I'm wondering, does God really forgive me for this? And here we find, find this promise very clearly. We find if we confess our sins... God is faithful and just. And he will forgive us of all our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If, if you want to do something new this week, I encourage you, memorize this scripture. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. I mean, here it's broken down very clearly. If we confess our sins, that is, if, if we come before God open-handed, just admitting what we've done wrong or what we've not done that we should have done and just saying to him God he, he, here's my life he, here's how I've messed up I need you I need your mercy and forgiveness if we confess our sins we find God is faithful and just he is faithful to that new covenant Jesus sacrifice was sufficient for us and God will forgive us of our sins this is the promise and he will purify us that is he'll not just forgive us and cleanse us from our sins he wants to give us power over sin he will purify us from all unrighteousness. And now I know some of you, you're, you're listening and, and even though you've heard this uh, a lot, this is still hard to comprehend. And this has been hard for people to really comprehend and wrap their mind around and receive deep in their hearts for a long time now. And I think this is why throughout the Bible we see a lot of different images given to us about what the forgiveness of our sins is like to help us grasp this at a deeper level. And so one, one beautiful one is here in, in Isaiah. God speaking to the prophet says this, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. I mean, you know how hard red wine and others, but y'all don't drink wine. I know if you're watching, you don't drink wine. But you know how grape juice is so hard to get out of things. 
It's one of the hardest stains to remove. I mean, this is, this is the metaphor we find here, that, that our sin is like a, a red stain on our souls. It's marred us. It's discolored. It's, it's, it's messed up things. But through the promise of God, through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, we can be made white as snow. We can be purified, forgiven, and made clean. And growing up at camp meeting, there was a kid's song we used to sing. And it went like this. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. There's something better than gold. For Jesus to wash you whiter than snow is something better than gold. Okay, that's why I don't sing regularly, okay? Uh, it's terrible, I know. But, but that's the song we used to sing to help us internalize this truth. That though our sins are like scarlet, God can purify us and make us as white as snow. And then in Psalm 103, we have a beautiful passage where we read this, that God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. How far the east is from the west. You know, you can always travel farther east. And you can travel, always travel farther west. There is a great uh, un... Uh, a distance between them that, that can't be come together. This is how it is with, with our sin. Our sin is so far separated from us through Jesus Christ when we receive forgiveness. And we find throughout Scripture that God isn't calculating, okay, how far is our, our sin from us? How long ago was that sin compared to this sin? And did they do that yesterday and again today? No. Instead, if we revisit this passage from Jeremiah, we find God will forgive our wickedness and will remember our sins no more. He will not only forgive them, but God actually forgets our sins. We're cleansed. We're purified. We're made clean. And now, you might be thinking at, at this point, you know, there, there has to be, there has to be something more Right, like accepting Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives and, and ask, confessing our sins and asking him for forgiveness, like that, that can't be it. Right, we have to do something or, or do some penance or make up for the stuff we've done. But actually when we, when we think that way, what we're doing is we're saying that Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross wasn't enough. We're saying it's not actually sufficient. Or you might be thinking, well, you know what, Jonathan, you, you don't know. You don't know what I've done. I mean, you're a pastor. Yeah, you've heard some stuff. You've, you've seen a few things, but you don't know what I've done. And you're right, I don't know what you've done. I don't even, I don't even know who's watching today because, because I'm in this room basically alone. But here's something I do know. I do know the sins of Moses. And Moses committed murder. I know the sins of Paul. Paul persecuted Christians. Peter denied Jesus. David, who wrote so many of the beautiful Psalms, was an adulterer and a murderer. And yet, through their confession, God forgave them and went on to use them for great things in this world. Or you might be thinking, Jonathan, well, I keep sinning. I keep sinning and keep asking God for forgiveness, but I mean, 
you know, God doesn't forgive me anymore every time I, I keep asking for the same thing. And I would say to you that that is a lie of the enemy. The enemy wants you to think that what you've done is unforgivable. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, you can receive God's forgiveness. Or you might just be thinking, you know what, why? Why would God forgive me? Why would God do this for me? And the, the very basic foundational answer is because God loves you. God loves you. And these questions that may be on your mind this morning as you're thinking about God's great love for you and the forgiveness he offers to you, uh, these were questions that were, were on the mind of a man many years ago named George Wallace. Some of you might be familiar with him and his tenure as governor of Alabama. He served as governor during the civil rights era and he was really an icon of segregation. And his motto was segregation now, segregation tomorrow, and segregation forever. And there's an iconic photo of him standing in front of the doors at Alabama blocking integration there. But you may not know that, that later on in life, Governor Wallace, he had an assassination attempt on him and he was shot. And soon after that, he had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ and he became a born-again Christian. And so he began repenting uh, of, of his old, old beliefs and the ways that he treated people of color in Alabama. He began asking them for forgiveness and he began asking and praying to God for forgiveness as well. And John Ed Matheson, who was the, the pastor at Fraser United Methodist Church during that season, you might remember him, he preached an amazing sermon here last year for us. John Ed Matheson during that time had a huge TV ministry and because Governor Wallace had been injured, uh, he was hard of hearing, his, his eyesight was going bad as he was getting older, so he watched John Ed on TV and so he would call him to come and visit every once in a while. And he would always ask him, John Ed, is there, is there forgiveness for me? He would say, I, I, just can't, I just can't believe that God forgives me. And John Ed would, would point him to the scriptures. He would point him to the unfailing promise of God that God will forgive us. And, and yet it was still hard for him. And one time he even showed John Ed a letter from the Pope that said to him, Governor Wallace, God forgives you. And a letter from Billy Graham that said, God forgives you. And yet he still couldn't really receive that and internalize it himself. Until one day, just a few months before he died, he called up John Ed and sent for him. And John Ed came to his house. And during that season, he was writing on a chalkboard because he, he couldn't communicate very well. And that day, he wrote on the chalkboard this. He wrote, John Ed, I know that God has forgiven me. I really know it. And John had said that was one of the most glorious days to watch Governor Wallace who had struggled to receive God's forgiveness into his life for so long for the sins he committed receive that gift of forgiveness. And this morning as, as we close together I simply wonder do you know like Governor Wallace knew? Do you know that God has truly forgiven you of your sins. Do you really know it? Because that is a gift that God wants to give to you and to me, not just today, but tomorrow 
and forevermore. And so this morning, as we close, I want to invite you to, to bow your head with me for a word of prayer. And for some of you this morning, I mean, this might be a message that, that you've never really heard before. Uh, maybe you grew up in a very uh, legalistic church where you only heard about how much God hates your sin. And maybe you've even heard that God hates you and, and God dislikes you. Maybe you've just never heard the good news in this way and it's, it's striking you anew this morning. If that's you, I want to I invite you to receive Jesus into your life today. To say, I believe and I want this gift of forgiveness because when you do that, God gives you new life. God gives you forgiveness and a new identity. And so if that's you, I, I want you to just pray in your heart a simple prayer like this one. God, I thank you for your love and for your message of forgiveness. God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and for his life, his death, and his resurrection for someone like me. God, I confess that, that I've sinned. I've, I've fallen short of loving you and loving others. And I'm in need of forgiveness. And today, I, I want Jesus to be the Lord and the leader of my life. I believe that he is who he said he is, that he lived, died, and rose again for my forgiveness. And I want to receive that gift this morning. If that's you and God's leading you to pray that, I invite you to pray that in the stillness of your own heart. But maybe this morning, uh, the Holy Spirit is convicting you of uh, of some sin in your life. Maybe it's big, maybe it's small and unconfessed sin. And if that's you, I simply want to invite you to bring that before God right now. And to just confess in the stillness of your own hearts, wherever you are. And just say, God, please forgive me. I've done wrong. And this morning I pray that the promise of God, the good news that he sent his son Jesus for you and for the forgiveness of your sins, I pray that God would make that manifest in your heart and that it would fill you with joy, with love, and that you would know his forgiveness today because that's what he's promised you and me. And God, we thank you for this gift. And we ask all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.